1: Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes, and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music.
2: On this episode of The Career Musician, we have a legend, Richard T-Bear. Originally from New York, this dude is amazing. The Blues Brothers, Billy Squire, Cher, Kiss, Steven Stills, Miami Vice, Pat Benatar, and the list goes on, whom T-Bear has worked with in some capacity. We're talking about the stuff that career musician legends are made of. Now, T-Bear is officially out of hibernation with his new single and video, One day at a time this single paves the way for fresh bear tracks his forthcoming album to be released early 2021 and he has such legendary guests on this project as steven stills edgar winner benchmont tench robbie krieger lawrence juber and denny sewell from wings keyboard player mark foster from farce of the people mike minnell from john fogarty and of course t-bear himself you will not want to miss this project check out t-bear right here on tcm I am here with T Bear, the one and only Richard T Bear. This is the man with the plan. <laughs> Welcome to the Career Musician Podcast.
3: Oh, it's great to be here, man. It really is.
2: Absolutely. Well, first of all, I am a fan. Number one. Thank you. Number two, I am glad as your press release says that you decided to come out of hibernation and, you know, come back to the music.
3: Well, you know, it was it was time, um, and uh, and I've really, I've uh, really put my uh, my my best foot forward, and uh, you know, I'm letting uh, I'm putting my soul, my 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 spiritual self into this, and so it was time, it was time to
2: come back. Absolutely. Now, from what I understood, from you know, just some doing some quick reading up, one day at a time. You're single. Was that the impetus for this whole, uh, you know, portion here, uh, this segment of your career?
3: No, actually, what happened was um, we have to go back three years ago, and uh, we'll we'll take a take a, a giant leap backwards. And uh, my wife uh, Nina. Um, yes she said to me you know it's time for you to come back it's time for you to start playing out live it's time for you to you know do what you do and uh so uh she would sit at her desk and i had a piano right in front of her desk and she was uh going back to uh in her 50s she went back to ucla to get a degree and uh she would do her homework and write her papers And I would write songs on the other side of her desk. And, uh, you know, we kind of three feet away from each other, did that every night. And uh, all of a sudden, this flood of music started coming out of me. And I started writing song after song after song. And she said, now what are you going to do with all these songs? I said, I have no idea. She says, oh, I have an idea. You're going to go in the studio. You're going to call everybody that you know. You're going to tell them that you're coming back and you need help. And they're going to help you. So uh, that's exactly what happened. I, I, ah. Three years ago, I went in the studio, and uh, we recorded, as it turns out, 23 tracks And over the next two years. And um, Robbie Krieger was nice enough to give me his place, and uh, everybody I knew came in and started playing on the record. So
2: it was, it I was mean, a beautiful thing. Uh, First of all, that's an amazing story that's so touching number one uh, and then secondly, you know as as Nina your wife said, you're going to call your buddies and they're going to help you and you know, the buddies you have are no slouches, man <laughs>
3: <laughs> well I'm, I'm very grateful to have played on a lot of good records and also you know knowing a lot of people throughout the you know throughout my time. Um, So it it was. It was. It was a beautiful thing. Um, um, As you know, Nina passed away a year ago yesterday. And um, so
2: sorry, brother. Thank you,
3: man. And um, she uh, she wrote me a note two weeks before she passed, and she said, Mm -hmm. um, "Here's what you're going to do. Here's my here's my recipe for you for your life. Mm -hmm. You're going to go out. You're going to tour." You're never going to cancel another gig. You're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to put this record out. And most importantly, you're going to fall in love again. So oh. that's what she was. So the album is dedicated to her. Man. We were known as Fox and Bear. And when the album okay. comes out, you'll see a little fox and a little bear. And, um, okay. and she was also a wordsmith. You know, she was the grammar police. So she, you know, ah. I'd come up with a line, and she goes, "Oh no, 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 no! It's got to be this way." <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm really grateful that she uh, gave me a kick in the ass and sent me out the door. And um, you know, this is this is her album. This is her album. And, um, and the beautiful thing about it is, um, there's this is all authentic, genuine, and true. So yes. you know, there's not well, where are we going to fit this in or that in, and let's go, you know. This was mm. all right from the heart, right from the soul. This is a soulful album.
2: Well, you're a soulful cat, man. I mean, <laughs> just you. just listening to you sing and play and watching your videos on YouTube, man, it's like, you know, you bring me to the good old days of music. <laughs> so,
3: yeah, well, that's that's where I come out. You know, that's where I come yeah. from. Um, and, uh, you know, this the single that's out now, One Day at a Time, Yes, what 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 really what this is about is when when the COVID thing struck, um, I was a few days away from playing a gig that weekend. And of course, the gig got canceled. and, And I said, well, what do I do now? And one week turned into two weeks. And the end of the month, I was sitting there in my pajamas one night and I spoke to a friend of mine called Dr. Karen. And uh, she's a therapist, and uh, she uh, she and I were talking about, you know, what everybody's going through. This was only two weeks into this thing. And I said, well, what are you telling your patients? And she said, well, what I tell them is this. I said, we'll all get through this together one day at a time. And I went, oh, there's a hook. I'm going to snatch that, and I'm going to write a song. Now, you've got to understand that um, I'm in a program where I am clean and sober for a long time, 37 years, and I've heard that phrase before. This wasn't, you know, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. This, this, (laughs) you know, this thing I've heard, but I never heard it that way in, in, Ah. you know, in regards, in relation to the COVID-19, you know, pandemic. So the next day, I sat down at the piano, and I said, I'm going to write about what I'm feeling. I'm going to write about where I'm at and the hook's going to be one day at a time. We can all, you know, get through this together. So I did that, and then um, what people were asking me to do um, is, like, every throwback Thursday on Facebook, I have my own little, you know, Facebook page and the band page and all, and I would put up a song, you know. So it turns out I decided to put up one day at a time, just piano vocal, you know. And all of a sudden, it took off and went from, you know, a few hundred views that day. The next day, it was up to a couple of thousand views. By the end of the month, it was up to 85 or 88,000 views, and it reached 125,000 people. So the record company, you know, in their all their wisdom, you know how wisdomy they are, <laughs> they, uh, they said, hey, you know, we have your album in the can, all 12 tracks, but we'd like you to record this as a single and put this out. So yeah. what happened was um, I called uh, a couple of my friends that are ex-Wings guys. Lawrence. I noticed that. Lawrence, yeah. Yeah, Lawrence Juber and Denny Cywell. And we play in a band together, by the way, called Route 66.
2: That's right. I checked that out. I love you guys.
3: Yeah. And um, so then I called another friend of mine, Mark Foster from Foster the People.
2: Yes, sir. And,
3: and I said, hey, Mark, uh what do you think of this? He says, "Oh, this is great, man. Let's 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 do something with it." And then I got a hold of uh, Tony Bronicle, who produced my album, and uh, I said, "Tony, can we get back into Robbie Krieger's and he's at, with social distancing and masks and gloves and shit like that?" Right. And he says, "Yeah, we can do that." And he got a hold of Mike Minnell from uh, um, um, who's he play with now?
2: Oh, uh, Fogarty, Tom Fogarty. Jones. Yeah, he plays Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah He plays yeah. with Fogarty now. So we all went in there,
3: and you know, three takes later, it was done, and uh, <laughs> you know, it was it. We put it out, and it's uh, apparently yesterday. They told me that um, on Spotify, on the on the um, the video that we put out, we put out this little short clip, which is I don't know twenty seconds long or something like that. There's a sure. million, a million point three views on it, so that's really good.
2: Um, incredible
3: yeah so the thing about this song is look we're we're in this there's there's only one way out of this and that is a day at a time and that's the way i've managed to live my life um, staying staying clean and sober and um, showing up and showing up for my wife for 20 months and being by her bedside and taking care Mm -hmm. of her one day at a time and that's the way we're going to get through this pandemic, um, together, a day at a time. It's 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 a I mantra.
2: Mean, I mean, you know, amen. I mean, what else can I say to that? It's like, it's, it's so true, so true. Every wow, eloquently. Put, my friend thank you and so so let's unpack a couple of these things because let's do that. yeah you said a, quite a bit and I want to make sure that all the listeners understand so first of all for our lo- younger listeners that, who might not be hip to you know some of the music history you know when you say Robbie Krieger when you say Stephen Stills when you talk about uh Wings so you know <laughs> and Lawrence Juber and Denny and you know all these these are all heavy cats these are all what I call career musician legends and such as yourself, you're a career musician legend. So we have to think. We have. To, I always say we have to have reverence for the for the musicians that came before us to pave the way, so absolutely. that we could do what we all do. So I want I want the listeners to understand that those are all heavy cats, and do some research. All these names will be in the notes, right?
3: Absolutely, um, absolutely.
2: Yeah, so tell us about your relationship with Tony and Robbie Krieger, and have you, have you always cut over there at Krieger's place, and, and you well, and Tony, do you guys go way back? Or? Yeah,
3: Tony, Tony and I go back um, to his first, I guess, first official kind of I'm-in-the-business-and-I'm-happening um, kind of gig. Um, we have to go back to the days of Ricky Lee Jones. Yeah. And we have to go back to the days of her Pirates album. Wow. And what happened was Warner Brothers called me. See, I was playing with Crosby, Stills, and Nash for a little while and recording with them. And and it was doing, uh, I think, uh, Southern Cross at the time, uh, where I was playing keyboards on that, which was a hit that they had. And um, I got a, I w- I was hanging out with Ricky a little bit, and... Um, Warners called me and said, hey, we can't find Ricky, and her tour starts tomorrow in Austin, Texas, and we're going to pull the plug on it if she doesn't show up. Damn. So she had, you know, a habit, and it wasn't a good one, you know. And um, so I called a bunch of friends of mine, and I said, uh, Anybody know where Ricky is? And they said, well, she might be at this guy's place in Venice. So I went down there with a friend of mine. And uh, the guy <laughs> Ricky remembers this story because I hadn't talked to her for 25 or 30 years. And I ran into her at one of my gigs. And she said to me, oh, I remember you. You were the guy that kicked the door in. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah. So what happened was I went down there. The guy wouldn't let me in. I kicked the door, and uh, she was uh, not doing so well. And I put her on on an airplane, and uh, Warners had charted a Learjet and flew us to Austin. We showed up an hour, almost an hour late for the gig, wow. and uh, her tour went on. Um, I flew back to L.A., but Tony Bronigal was the drummer. <laughs>
2: This is so cool. These are the real and Reggie, rock and roll and Reggie, stories. And
3: Reggie McBride was the bass player.
2: Oh, man, come on. Okay, so
3: now here comes, fast forward 30, 40 years, whatever, whatever later. Yeah, yeah. So Tony and I know each other because of all his work with all the great blues cats and, and, you know, and Taj Mahal and Bonnie Raid and Little Feet and everybody. And, and I said to Tony, I said, hey, man, you know, I, I need some help. I remember what Nina said for me to ask. Ask for help. And I said, I need help. Um, I want to. I want to make a record. I want to record some things. I, mean, I, I got three or four songs that are ready to go. He says, Are you kidding me? You saved my. You saved the tour. I. That launched me. That tour. From that, I got you know all these other things. I owe you. I said, You don't owe me, man. He says, No, no. You don't realize wow. how how what a godsend you were to get us to get her there. So I said well, thank you, and from that moment on, Tony said, we're together, man, and I'll do anything I can for you, so I said, well, you know what, I just did a session over at Robbie Krieger's place, I was playing keyboards on some guy's, a couple songs on his album, and and Robbie and Michael Dumas said to me, well, you know, like, this is kind of a private studio, but anytime you want to come in, it's yours. So I said, well, I'd like to start recording an album. They said, mi casa, su casa. So at that point, we, wow. we came in, and then Reggie McBride said, hey, man, I want to be in on this. And Hutch Hutchinson said, hey, I want to be in on this. Wow. And Will Lee said, hey, I want to be in
2: on this. <laughs> and Ben
3: Montench says, oh, I want to play on this. Jeez! And Stephen Stills and Tom Scott oh. and... Walter Trout and um to go on and on and on and yeah. all the cats from the Route 66 band and um, right. then Edgar Winter said, "Hey, I want to play on this," you know. <laughs> and so I I was uh, you know, I was like turning people down. It was crazy.
2: Um, it's like a, it's like a who's who's list of, you know, of of modern pop modern music, you yeah, know.
3: Yeah. So we recorded oh. there and had a ball, you know, and I went back to the, you know, I went back to the well because I had such a great, you know, time there recording the album Fresh Bear Tracks, which is coming out, I think, December. Um, okay. Um, so I went back there and I went to the well for One Day at a Time. That's yeah. what happened. Yeah. And Michael Dumas is an amazing
4: engineer. He's great.
2: Oh, and he kind of awesome. runs the place. Yeah. That's beautiful.
4: Wow. Okay. And use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's mealscom slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off.
2: So like I said, there you have it. Those are the names. Those are the cats. These names will be in the show notes on the podcast. Do your homework if you don't know. And for those of us who do know, well, we know. Now we're blown away. That's beautiful. <laughs>
3: So there's probably um, another ten names on there I didn't list, but you know you can look them up when the when the record comes out. Yeah, we'll check it out
2: when it drops. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now let's rewind a little bit. First of all, thank you for being so candid, and you know, all of our, our, you know, my my prayers and and best wishes go out to you for everything that you've endured, and uh, I'm sure our listeners feel the same. Um, so let's rewind now. How did T Bear become T Bear? I know. First of all, you're a fellow New Yorker. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Long Island, or as I say, Strong Island. <laughs> okay,
3: which which side, North Shore or South Shore?
2: Uh, well, I'm on the East Side, Suffolk, Suffolk County. County. Okay, so Huntington, I, I, Comac, Deer Park, Northport, the whole. Absolutely. Area. Yeah. Now you were born in the city. I was in, born in, in Manhattan. The, wow, that's cool. Yeah. And
3: uh, I spent a lot of time in uh, Miami and Puerto Rico and Port-au-Prince, Haiti.
4: Wow.
3: So that's where my parents kind of raised me. And so I got a lot of uh, kind of Creole, Calypso, nice. Mento, Latin yeah, soul influence. And then when we went back to New York, um, I was raised in Yonkers. And my next-door neighbor, literally next-door, was Milt Jackson, the vibe player. Wow. From Modern Jazz Quartet. <laughs>
2: That's crazy. And
3: on the other side of him was Floyd Patterson, the boxer. And wow. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd listen to Milt, and I'd listen to the stuff he played. And, and you know, he was a nice cat, to me. He was a neighbor. I was a kid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wanted to play music from the, from Jump Street. That's it. You know, at 12 yeah. years old, I had a band.
2: That's awesome. Wow. And how about T-Bear? Did that just kind of happen the way by chance? Tea, the way that
3: T-Bear happened was uh, I got signed to a, a solo deal by RCA. And um, RCA said to me at the time, because I went under my real name, which is Richard Gerstein, and uh, they said to me, they said, you know, we, uh, we, we, we love you. And we want to make records with you, and we want you to be a a prominent artist on our roster. Can we do something about your last name? Mm -hmm. And I said, Well, why? They said because Jews don't sell in the South. And I said,
2: Wow! (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) I said "I, I never looked at it that way, but I sure would like a record deal. And there was, you know, a lot on the table, so. They said, Have you got any nicknames? And I said, Yeah, people call me Bear because I, I kind of get scuffly and I had a and a beard and everything. And I said, Good. Now you're gonna be Richard the Bear. I said, Ah uh. okay, Richard Bear. Richard Bear. I said, Yeah, I like Richard the Bear better. And I said, How about Richard T Bear? And they said, Okay, well, what does the T stand for? I said, Trustworthy. Where do I
2: sign? <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible so okay, that's so what so oh I, again, again, I, I love I love these anecdotes. they're so so awesome. I always talk about the power of branding and identity and, you know, having an image and an and, and alias. And you did that. You know, people ask me, well, what does Nomad mean? Well, again, okay. not trying to compare myself, but you can go down the list. Santana, Cher, Sting, Prince, all these. Are, they have one name. And when you hear that one name, it's such an identity, there's no mistaken. Right. T-Bear. And you understood that, you know, after the record label explained it. You understood that at a young age. You're like, hey, I'm, I'm all in. So yeah. you did it.
3: I, I just needed a. I needed a chance. Yeah,
2: that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing, and and I and I love that, and I love the fact that you just said yes. Yeah. So many times, especially musicians, we get caught up in our own little thing, and we we can't break out and just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple. You did it. It's,
3: it's one word.
2: <laughs> there you go. I love it. T bear baby. All right, cool, cool. So then, what happens? So you're in New York. You're hanging out with Milt. He's helping you. You got your well, band. Well, what happened
3: was I I, I I started working at Manny's Music. Oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> and um, Manny's Music was, you know, a mu- big prominent music store. All 40- the cat- yeah. <clears throat> all the cats, I'm going to grab some coffee. All the cats. Yeah, me too. <laughs> We'd come in there, you know, all the That's bands, right. everybody. And, uh, did,
2: did Manny's close finally? Yeah,
3: Manny's yeah. finally closed. Yeah. And it was just recently, right? Not like maybe uh, a couple years ago. Four years ago, years ago or four five years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. man. <clears throat> but, you know, um, right. it was a great place to hang because as a teenager, um, right. you know, I got I, I got the power of music there. I got mm-hmm. the, you know, I'd listen, to, I'd listen to radio all the time, uh, <clears throat> WNEW. Uh, I had a, lo- a long-distance love affair with Alison and Steele, the Nightbird, you know, on FM. And, wow. <clears throat> you know, I, I used to get passes to go down to uh, the Fillmore East by the bands that would come in there. Neat. So one one day, a bunch of guys came in from the dead. And they said... Uh, yeah, they said, uh, hey, you're we, a nice kid. Uh, why don't you come down and see the show? And I said, fine. And uh, I was showing a... Keyboard to somebody at the time, and they said, "Hey, you play really good." I said, "Thank you." They said, "Well, come on down, man. Come down, come down to the show. We're gonna have a good night tonight. We're gonna have uh, kind of it's gonna be a jam night. It's gonna be it's gonna be Traffic, the Dead, and um, Hot Tuna, and we're all gonna <laughs> we're all gonna play together." I said, "Cool." It was like an off night at the Fillmore. So um, down I go, and I was one of the. First times I was ever backstage or had a backstage pass, and I go backstage, and I'm in the the wings, and I'm watching this jam, and it's just amazing. And all of a sudden, Jerry Garcia looks at me, and he points, and he goes, over here. And he points at a Wurlitzer that's sitting on the stage, kind of near him. And he looks at me and goes, yeah, you, over here, come on. (laughs) And I walked out. I almost vomited. I was so scared. (laughs) And I walk out. I sit down at the I To this day, I don't know if I played in the right key, the wrong key, minor, major, no matter what. But I was on stage at the Fillmore East playing with the dead. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And it was on you know, it was on. That's incredible, dude. It was on, yeah. It was on from that moment on. And uh, I'd go so down that's and the hang spark. out. Yeah, I'd hang out at the Fillmore East all the time. I went down there one once to see Iron Butterfly because they were in the oh, store. Yeah. You know, in a Gada de divita, you know. Wow. And I went That's down. before
2: Iron Maiden, right? Wasn't wasn't the the original members of Iron Butterfly, didn't they turn into Iron Maiden? Mm, I thought maybe No, I don't think head- so. Okay. But okay. But um, I went down there,
3: and the reason I'm telling you this is because there's a funny little little story about this. I'm in the I'm in like the sixth row, and I go down to see, you know, Iron Butterfly because I'm a keyboard player, and they have that big keyboard solo in the middle, ah. and uh, and I want to hear this, you know. And the first band comes out, and they say, "Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our opening act tonight. It's their second appearance in the United States. Please welcome from the United Kingdom, Led Zeppelin." Led Zeppelin comes out
2: Come on, man
3: And tears the place Apart Of course To this day, that was the best opening act I've ever seen The best set I've ever heard And when Uh. they were finished I went home (laughs) I didn't even even stay And, uh, you know I I would go around club to club And venue to venue Uh, King Curtis, for example Was a a neighbor of mine when I lived in the city with a girl. And he would take me to some of the clubs to see the Kingpins play. And that was a lot of the Mm. cats that, uh, I don't know if you knew who the Kingpins were.
2: No, that one I don't know.
3: All right, King Curtis was a sax player. Memphis Soul Stew. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
3: And, uh, you know, Cornell Dupree. Oh, Cornell
2: Chu- Dupree, yes, yes, and
3: Chuck Rainey,
2: and Chuck Rainey, oh, those are the cats,
3: yeah, and yeah. Bernard Purdy. Oh, dude, come on, that was you know, and Gerald Jamot, and and uh. you know, and Billy was on the Oregon,
2: and oh, it, Billy Preston,
3: that's yeah, right. yeah, that was his band. So uh. I wanted to be black so bad I can't <laughs> tell you because <laughs> everybody, everybody I kind of digging was black, you know, and. uh He'd take me around to hear the bands and everything. And then I would appear, like, at some of the open mic day, nights um, at Dr. Generosities, for example, where I got to meet John Prine and Steve Goodman when they mm. first came to New York City. And I was playing there, and Richie Havens walked in, and he walked up to me and said, I like the way you play. I like your style. I'm recording tomorrow night. Here's the address. Show up. You can play on my Mixed Bag 2 album.
2: Richie Havens.
3: Richie Havens. So at oh the time, God. I was Richard Gerstein. I wasn't T-Bear.
2: Mm. So
3: it's you look at a, a bunch of albums that I played on in those days, you don't see T-Bear. Okay. You see Gerstein. And, okay. um, yeah, so Richie Havens tapped me. I went in the studio, started started setting up, and Bernard Purdy walks in, uh, and Cornell Dupree, man. and Chuck Rainey. And I said, and they, all all those cats remembered me from from King Curtis bringing me around. So they were they were kind of nice to me. They would fuck with me a little bit, yeah. pardon my language. <laughs>
2: no, but, that's all right. But,
3: <laughs> because they knew I was brand new at this.
2: Yeah, you're young. You wet behind the ears. As totally you say, right. Totally, yeah. You know, first of all, I wasn't a brother. Second. Of <laughs> right, all, <laughs> right. 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 Second of
3: all, you know, but I did have soul from from growing up yeah. in au Prince and and. Uh, you know, in Puerto Rico.
2: Just being around the culture, man, you you know, yeah. intrinsically, it's, it's yeah. wired in you. Yeah. So
3: that's the way, that's the kind of the way I started. Um, Odetta would teach me how to sing. Wow. And I would show her where I was playing piano and things like that. And I had some really, and, and you know, speaking of John Prine, because I mentioned him. Yeah. You know, he had come in and he had his first album, was just released, and he was playing an open mic night. And Al Bonetta, his manager who passed away, was, uh, mm. was there with, with uh, Steve Goodman. They both came in. And John Prine gets up and he starts to play. And this is how I became a, a songwriter. He starts to play and he's, he does Hello in There, Angel from Montgomery, mm. and another song. And I never heard Better Song or Better Songwriting. Mm. And I said to myself, that's who I want to do. That's what I okay. want to do. That's who I want to be. Um, this guy's amazing. So I kind of latched myself on to Dylan, mm. John Prine, Fred Neal. Fred Neal wrote The Dolphins. He wrote Everybody's Talking. He wrote That's the Bag I'm In. So those mm-hmm. are the cats I wanted to kind of emulate. And that set me set me on a, on a really good path because it wasn't long after that I got a record deal, and it was so, all, it was all because of songs.
2: It wasn't. I was nec- just going to. Th- oh, sorry. It
3: wasn't necessarily because I was a good session player. Right. It was because you know, there's a lot of good session players. There's a lot of great... Mm-hmm. Se- much better than me. Mm-hmm. But what happened was, I started becoming a good songwriter.
2: But see, that's so important. I'm so glad you said that because. This trajectory, you started as a sideman session cat, right? Right. You know, gigs, sessions, whatever. Then you see beautiful songwriting take place right before you're like, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do. Then you morph into that. So that's what... Part of the career musician is all about. Yeah. So many times as musicians, we get stuck in, in you know, in, in the back behind the band because we don't know what else to do. We're like, I know I have songs in me. I know I can write. I know I can sing, but I don't know how to break out from behind the curtain to center stage. Right. 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 What well, you did just that. So that metamorphosis is amazing. Well, wh- if if you can expound on that, yeah.
3: Yeah. How I can ex- expound on that is. Um, I was playing this kind of a cabaret place downtown in uh, in the city called Reno Sweeney's.
2: You talking about uh like down in the village?
3: <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh the coat check girl there was somebody <laughs> called Allie Willis. Okay. Do you know who Allie Willis is? No. Okay. Allie Willis wrote the entire Boogie Wonderland album. <laughs> She wrote the color purple. Oh, jeez! And about on. another hundred charted out, you know, songs wow. and singles. Okay, and she passed away uh, Christmas Eve this last year. Oh um, man! And she was she's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and right she's from she's from um, Detroit. And the way she got into the business was in Detroit, where they had Motown and they had a studio there. She would go up to the studio walls outside the place because they'd never let her in and she put her ear to the wall and hear what they were doing inside and she goes I want to do this and so Allie was the co-check girl I was the piano player and I say Allie I got I got an idea for this song and I give her a cassette tape and she goes oh I have an idea for some lyrics so what you want to do is you want to align yourself to some people that make your stuff better. I'm T-Bear, and you're listening to The Career Musician Podcast with Nomad.
1: Blasting the stereotype of musicians. Follow us at The Career Musician Podcast. Binge previous seasons of The Career Musician Podcast and subscribe for all new episodes.
4: Hey Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts.
3: You know, I've never been selfish in a, in as much as not sharing. You know, uh, come up with a word, you get a third. You know
2: what I mean? <laughs> That's a, collaboration is key, man. I yeah. always say that. I've written so a lot important. of songs
3: on my own, but I but yes. I love collaborating with people of, as
2: well. Of and course, I, because and the reason why I ask about this because it's scary. That initial transition can be scary, right? Oh, it's it's. It's totally scary. I mean, especially if you're earning, because I've experienced this myself, you're earning a living as a player, right. session player, gig, whatever, and you're doing good and you've established your name and cats know you and hey, blah, the blah, other, blah. The other and way, then
3: The other way I started writing in these in, in these in these, in that period of years before, just before I got a record deal, was yeah. I went to work at a jingle house mm. at Lebunsky Productions. And best, yeah, best practice. <laughs> yeah. And Louise Messina, who was this beautiful woman who looked after everybody and every Sunday night, you know, had an or- orphan's dinner for everybody that, you know, could come over. And she was Italian and she'd make great pasta. And there'd be like 30 of us there. And um, she brought me around. She said, okay, start writing jingles. And, and she'd hand me like five or six ideas. And I started writing jingles. And from then, it became song. So there's lots of ways you can you can jump into the the songwriting thing. Um it's, it's it's what I did.
2: I love that. And 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 these are ways to help make it not so scary. Collaborate with people. Oh reach yeah. Out. I
3: wrote I wrote car yeah. jingles, beer jingles, yeah. motorcycle jingles. That's awesome. Um all kinds of jingles, yeah.
2: Didn't you work didn't you write for Share?
3: Yeah. Um actually what I was doing is um I was doing Gene Simmons' solo album. They, they all did solo albums, and I was ghostwriting with him. and um, ghostwriting means you kind of like, you know, you help, you help on things. I can't tell you I can I can't tell you what things I've written on in my life, but I can tell you there's twenty records that you might know that I've thrown a line on oh wow a couple of lyrics here there maybe even a chord change or two to tighten it up or make it make it you know make it jump out
2: yeah yeah and
3: um you know i i that's why that's why i say i'm not selfish you know that's why Mm -hmm. these days you know give me a word you get a third or something you know that's (laughs) (laughs) think if you help it you're a part of it so gene's album i was doing a Peter Chris, the drummer. I did his album. Then I went over to did Gene's album, and wow. Gene decided to do his album at a place called the Manor, which was owned by Virgin Records in England. Mm. And so, he put uh, Elliot Randall, me. Uh, we had it. We had this little this little mafia rhythm section: Elliot Randall, myself, uh, Neil Jason, and Alan Schwartzberg, and we all. Flew over in a Concord with Gene, <laughs> with Gene, <laughs> and wow, Cher, that's rock. and Cher. He was dating Cher at the time. Wow! Yeah. And we we wound out in the Manor, and I did his album there, and I did another album for some other band, and another single for some other band. And while I, while I was there, you know, Cher got to know me, and she said, yeah. "You know, um, you know, they're they're telling me that you're a pretty good songwriter." I'm doing an album called Take Me Home. Would you please give me a couple of songs that I might be able to do? And she says, and what I'm really looking for, because it's kind of a disco area, in know, in, in disco era in those yeah. days. Sure. She says, I'm not looking for a disco song. I'm getting like 5,000 of these a day, people sending me disco songs. She goes, can you give me an amazing tear your heart out ballad? Wow. So I said, okay. So I had a, a song on my first album, which is called Red Hot and Blue, and it's and it's called Pain in My Heart, which is then shortened to Love and Pain on her album. Uh-huh. Um, and I gave her that one. And she used it in all her live shows, her TV shows, her specials. She'd go on, you know, like The Tonight Show or things like that. That would be, you know, the song that she'd sing. And wow. uh, critically, to this day, and I love Cher. Um, she's an amazing person. What a what a wonderful woman she is. Um, to this day, I got to tell you that critics say "Love and Pain" is her best ballad performance of any song she's ever done. <clears throat> so I wrote that one. I kind of you know goes throughout a little bit with stills and some some things with him. I was in his band for a while. Um, wow. I wrote another. Couple of songs for her on some of the other albums, and uh, and for some other people who I can you know can tell you that they they use the ideas and they, and he did very well. You know, but well, when they're when they're paying you a grand a day,
2: yeah,
3: you, you can't really get get greedy because back in the you know in those days a grand a day was a lot of money.
2: Yeah, that's substantial. I mean, even today, it's still decent, substantial. You know, especially for musicians. You know, that's a good pay rate. Uh, hey, we we we'd be happy with a hundred a day right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so awesome that you were so you know giving and open. Uh, that that means a lot, and uh, you know, just incredible, incredible. Okay, so so now you go from musician to songwriter, and the whole time you're pursuing your artistry, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, and then so when you come back now, you're you're on, uh, Quarto Valley Records, right? Yeah, I. I yeah. um, There's a qu- no Quarto, right? Quarto Valley, yeah. Quarto, yeah, yeah. Well, what
3: happened was, I, I you know, af- after Nina said, you know, record and whatever, she said also go out and play live. So I put this band together called Route Sixty Six,
2: right.
3: <clears throat> and um, the band is consi- consists of X Wings members. And it also consists of the horns from the Conan show, the basic cable band, ah. and also you know that's that's uh, Mark Pender, and Labamba, Richie Rosenberg, yeah. and nice. um, also Jerry v- Vivino when he's when he's available. And nice. And um, oh, and Joe Sublette is the guy that's kind of responsible for putting this band together with me. And Joe Sublette was Stevie Ray Vaughan's roommate. Wow. And he's a sax player. And he's one of the greatest sax players out there. He's a Texan. And, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah and, a, and, a, and a bass player, Paul Ill, plays with Linda Perry a lot. And um, a guy called Max Butler on the second keyboard. We have a Hammond. So we have right. this nine-piece and and, and, Gia, and Gia, who was with uh, Joe Walsh and also Springsteen. And, by the wow. way, the the Conan O'Brien guys were, were in the E Street Band should know that. <laughs> they were the Springsteen horns for a long That's time. That's beautiful. So we, we put this band together and um, from that from that moment on it was it was on because right. anybody coming out never heard things like this. And what we would do is we would take we called it Route sixty six because we take songs that started in Chicago and ended up in LA. You know that followed that road. Wow! <clears throat> and we do them a little bit differently. Yeah. So, um, and then we do originals. But but the night consists of you have a lot of fun. You get to you get to sing and dance along. And
2: the yeah, pat. I checked out some of the videos online. You guys are <coughs> crushing it, man! And you spell it R O O T. Right, sixty six. Yeah. So you put <coughs> yeah, a little. A little spin. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that, man. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, look, in the meantime, though, like you so said. What you ha- ha- yeah. yeah. So what happened yeah. was Quarto Valley
3: Records is the owner of the label was told about me by his son. Ah. And he came out to some gigs. And he started vid- video me. Yeah. And then he contacted me and said... Hey, have you you know have you got any songs or any any aspirations? And I said, Yeah, I'm thinking about you know uh, pitching. I've got a bunch of songs that I've already mixed and mastered. And <clears throat> what I want to tell you about is the amazing thing about this this record, Fresh Bear Tracks, is everything. All the planets aligned, like with all the players and the studios. And no matter even if I couldn't get into Horse Latitudes, which is Robbie's place, um, Ultratone or uh, another studio, which would 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 be open for me. And and um, the thing about this record is, um, Tony Bronigle, the producer, was out playing golf. And this I want you to hear because this is a great story. Yeah. With Ed Churney. Do you know Ed Churney? Absolutely.
2: Okay. The famous mix engineer. Yeah.
3: Yeah. One of the five greatest mixers there are. Absolutely. Um, You know, he's done everything. Um, And um, so they're out playing golf, and and Tony says to Ed, well, what are you working on, Ed? He says, oh, I'm doing... um, Joe Bonamassa's record right now and (laughs) Willie Nelson's record right now. And then I'm doing, uh, you know, this one and that one and, you know, all these famous people. He says, what are you working on, Tony? He says, Tony says, well, I just finished Richard T. Bear's record. He said, Richard T. Bear? Richard T. Bear? Tony (laughs) said, yeah. He says, I haven't heard that name in a long, long time. I'm a Richard T. Bear fan, Ed says. He said, "Who's mixing it?" And Tony said, well, "We haven't picked a mixer yet." He says, "I'm mixing it." He said, oh, uh, "He says, well, we can't afford you, Ed." Yeah. He's doing this out of his own pocket. I had right. uh, you know, I didn't have label right. money. You understand? Right, right, right. I I financed this out of my own pocket.
2: Grassroots, baby. Yeah. yeah.
3: And Ed says, "I don't care what he's got. I'm mixing his record." He says, yeah, I... "You don't understand." When I first started in this business, Richard T. Bear was doing demos where I was working. And I was the assistant to the assistant tape op. The only thing they'd let me do in that studio was press stop or play. They wouldn't even let me press record. Wow. Richard (laughs) was in there. He was so nice to me. And I've never forgotten. You know, and I, and, and I helped him get a record deal with his with his demos and things like that.
2: He says, you don't
3: understand, this is a full circle for me.
2: That's <clears throat> now, beautiful.
3: Yeah. So Ed mixed the whole thing. Yeah, but what you got to understand is the, one of the reasons why he mixed it and, and he said this is a full circle is because Ed at the time had stage four cancer and nobody knew it. And he had a limited amount of time left in his life. So, if not the last album he mixed, one of the last albums he ever worked on was mine. And we gave him 12 tracks to mix. Yeah. And he returned 17 to us. (laughs) Wow. Now, I'll tell you the story. I don't know if your listeners care or not, but I'll tell you the Ed Cherney story. I care. Well... It was a month after Nina passed, and oh, yeah. Ed was on his way, and he was home. And uh, he said, "I need you. To, I need to see you, see you, Bear." And I said, "Okay." So I drove over there, and um, I'd spend some time with him. And uh, he wanted to know, you know, he wanted me to read his his medical reports, and I'm not a doctor, and he wanted. To know what he has to look forward to, and he wanted to know about Nina's, you know, transition and things like that.
2: Mm.
3: So it was very hard for me. I just lost my wife, but I, I loved Ed. Yeah. And we'd we'd hang out. And he said, you know, let let Rose, my wife, who ran the record plant by the way for forty years,
2: wow,
3: uh, let Rose um, make you a sandwich. I said, I'm I'm really not that hungry, Ed. He says, no, no, I want you to eat one of Rose's sandwiches.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and I said, okay. So she yells down, he Rose, make make T Bear a sandwich. So she comes upstairs with a tray and a sandwich and a you know and a Perrier or something. And he says, Have a bite of that sandwich. It's gonna be great. So I, I take a bite. He says, How do you like that? I said, it's fantastic, Ed. Great sandwich.
2: Yeah. I
3: mean, what am I gonna say, you know? Yeah, right. So he says, uh, we're even what? I said, what do you mean we're even? He says, okay, so I was at the studio back in the day and you guys called in lunch and you got a whole bunch of hero sandwiches. And I was the only one without a sandwich. <laughs> and you walked over to me and said, you know, I'm not really hungry. You have this sandwich head. Oh, and you okay. gave me your sandwich. We're even. Look at that. And so I tell you the story because um,
2: that's amazing.
3: You know, you meet people coming up.
2: You just don't, and know.
3: they may come back in their in your life. That's right. And you always appreciate, and you always try to be, you know, a good a good soul. It's important. And man. Ed Ed repaid the uh, the favor with a sandwich. <laughs> and Incredible one of the, man, and one of the best mixes I ever there, heard.
2: There you go. <laughs>
3: what i'd like to talk about is you know there's a lot of musicians that have no insurance or or no third-party insurance and what we did to help musicians when i came up was we uh we had these picnics and these events where we we was nonprofit organizations and we'd raise money and put musicians into detox or into halfway houses or sober living and give them a leg up and we got a lot of people's We helped a lot of musicians. It was just for musicians, nobody else. And then we decided, you know, this is such a good idea. Let's instead of doing it once a year, let's have an arm of this picnic and call it the musicians assistance program called MAP. And a whole bunch of us got together, you know, we were on a board and a lot of a lot of a lot of you know famous cats. It then morphed into today, from MAP, it became Music Cares. And now it's, you know, an arm of the Grammys. And Music Cares with Harold Owens at the helm and his great staff have, you know, helped thousands and thousands and thousands of musicians and people that otherwise would have nowhere to turn. You know, and with the COVID thing, the beautiful thing about MAP is they've had a, uh, you know, a charity arm of, of, of the Grammys that have sent out checks to, I can't tell you how many musicians. It's amazing. And so, you know, you'd be surprised at the ripple effect of doing something. You could start something. I started this thing with 12 other guys, you know, uh, Paul Butterfield and Ray Sharkey and And all these other, you know, Joe Farrell and all these other musicians, Buddy Arnold, and it became now Music Cares. You can't keep what you have unless you give it away.
2: That's right. Wow, look at that. I like that. Say that again. You can't keep what you you have. You can't keep what you have unless you give it away. That's brilliant. Can I borrow that? You can borrow that. (laughs) That's fantastic. It's, it's man. helped
3: me for a long time.
2: Wow, you've shared so many great stories and so many, so much great wisdom, right, through your through your uh, experiences. What do you tell? You know, obviously the business has changed drastically right. over the years in general, but then also because of the pandemic. But I believe things will bounce back. They might not be exactly the same, but I believe. Things are going to bounce back. What do you tell the, the up-and-coming generations? What, what's your words of wisdom to the players, musicians coming up, you know, Here, here's, artists, Here's writers. what I Here's
3: what I say. <clears throat> I, I say listen to as much music as you can get your hands on. Don't resent the past. Don't regret the past. Mm. Live in the now and live your best life now. I love it in the now. <laughs> Listen to everything you can get your hands on because you know what? I'll tell you. As far as music goes, in this world, nobody agrees on anything. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> they don't. You're right. And, and nobody can speak another language that's across the border. Mm. But one of the languages that everybody can... can Listen to and speak is music. That's music is the universal language that brings us all together. That's if it wasn't for music, where would we be?
2: Ah, that's come on, man. You're preaching, bro. Like I said, when you first got on the line, you're preaching over here. (laughs) I love that. Wow. Okay. T-Bear. Listen, heart, before, man. man, that's, I mean, that's pure soul. Come on. All right. Before we wrap, I want to do some fun, rapid fire questions. I'm just going to ask you some fun things and don't even think about it. First thing that comes to mind. Cool? Sure. Cocoa Puffs. Favorite- <laughs> I like it. You already knew. I said favorite <laughs> food. You, I didn't even say it. You already knew. Cocoa Puffs? I love Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> favorite sport? Baseball. How do you spend your free time?
3: Uh, Try to fish as much as I can.
2: Ooh, I love fishing. You know the definition
3: of a fisherman, right? (laughs) What's that? That's a jerk on one end of the line waiting for a jerk on the other end.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, What activities do you enjoy on those long flights that we used to have? Um, What activities? Um, Sleeping or doing (laughs) other stuff? Working, I don't know, watching movies? Um,
3: I got into lighting design. I like that. Oh,
2: yeah. That's neat. I like,
3: I like lighting. I like lighting design. So um, you would
2: study li- lighting while you're on a long flight? Um, <coughs> yeah, I, 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 I own a cool.
3: company called bear lighting. So, um, a I lot know. of, a lot of my work I, I would do on a long flight would be having to do with lighting and laying out lighting designs and things like that. The other thing oh, I, I, cool. I like to do on a long flight is lyrics. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I get inspired at 30,000 feet. There and, you go. Yeah, and I used to have a pilot's license, so I love flying.
2: Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Let me. You know what? You're the second musician that I know personally, although I, we just met, but even still. You and Nathan East both have a pilot's license. Uh, did that change your experience flying as a passenger for the better or for the worse at all? or Much better.
0: Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. See, because I'm one of those nervous flyers. It's so silly because we
2: fly for a living, right? That's part of what we do. Right. But I get—I just don't like turbulence. And I have a cousin who's a private jet uh, pilot, and he always tries to explain it to me. But still, especially when you get the bad turbulence, that freaks me out, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, nobody likes turbulence. Yeah. Yeah, I was on a flight with Nathan East once and we were experiencing hellacious turbulence going through the mountains and these giant air pockets. The plane is literally up and down and he's just chilling, listening to music as if nothing's going on. And I look over, I'm like, Nathan, why are you so calm? Because I'm over here sweating, holding the seat, you know. He's like, oh, that's fine, man. Don't worry. This is There's going. nothing you can do about it. <laughs> yeah. And I got to tell you, the guys are sitting in
3: front that are driving, yeah, they don't like turbulence either. So they're going to
2: look for clean air anyway. Yeah, that's smooth air. Ah, see. Well, that was fun. Okay. Well, I love those activities on flights that you mentioned. That's good. Keeps your mind occupied, right? Absolutely. All right. The last song, band, artist that you listened to that you had nothing to do with. So you didn't write, you didn't play, Mm. but just uh, music that you listened to for fun most recently.
3: Um. I've been listening to a record called Dylan's Gospel. I just listened to it. And it was put out 100 years ago on Epic Records. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, Mary Clayton and a whole bunch of people that sing Dylan songs in a gospel church.
2: Very cool.
3: That's what I've been listening to. Let's see, what else? Um, That's
2: one of the most unique answers I've gotten in a while.
3: Dylan's yeah, gospel. I think.
2: I like that. Yeah. That's awesome.
3: Sign In Stranger was a song I listened to last night on Steely mm-hmm. Dan.
2: Steely Dan, Sign yeah, In. On, ah. the, on the Royal Scam album. The Royal Scam. Oh, man, that's so cool. To this day, my favorite uh, Steely Dan album is Kid Ah, Absolutely.
3: You I mean, know, they're just you know I have a band. song called Cab Calloway on the new album. Oh, nice. And it's really an homage to Walter and uh-huh. and Donald. That's and awesome. um, wait till you hear it. It's and Tom Scott plays the plays the solo. Ah, sweet. And it's and it's it's Dean Parks is on it too. Oh, Dean Parks. Oh yeah, These Dean des- Parks played on the album too. So, oh man, so it's like my it's,
2: guitar hero. Yeah, so it's
3: yeah. it's it's right in the pocket. It's like so cool. It's it's like you're going. If, if T-Bear's voice wasn't on it, it would be Donald Fagan's voice.
2: It's it's, <laughs>
3: it's, it's that kind of, it's in that wheelhouse.
2: That's a So awesome. those
3: are the two things I listen to.
2: Beautiful. All right, are, you, are you uh, binging any TV shows, favorite shows, or movies lately? Hmm. Or documentaries? Or?
3: Yes. Um, J.D. Salinger. Documentary on J.D. Salinger.
2: On okay. his life.
3: He's the guy who wrote The Catcher in the Rye. Ah, right. I just I just watched his his um, documentary on his life, and the most amazing documentary. It's um, it's all about him from being a kid until, and he was a recluse. You know, he was like this Howard Hughes kind of guy that wouldn't mm. hang out with anybody and never accepted accolades and things. And he wrote like the you know the novel Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. And um, wow. so he was a very suspiciously secretive kind of cat, and he used to write. He he, he lived up in in New England, outside Concord, New Hampshire, in a little mm-hmm. house up a mountainside. And even though he was married and had children, he would uh, go into a, what he called the bunker which was on his property and stay in there for weeks at a time writing. He didn't want to be with anybody. And he had lots of secrets and he had this secret family called the glass family that he thought he was a part of. They didn't really exist, but he did their genealogy. He did everything. And I watched this documentary and it was so fascinating. And I thought to myself, I walked right over to the keyboard, walked right over to the piano and I sat down and I wrote one of my best songs which is going to be on maybe the next album, and it's on a, on a – I even did – I laid it right out on Facebook um, on my Throwback Thursday. It's called The Book of Secrets, right? Nice. It's all about J.D. Salinger, and if you want to know where, where you get – where the Book of Secrets is, it's right here.
2: <laughs> As you point to your head, that's right. Yes.
3: That's The Book of Secrets.
2: I love that so that man.
3: was that was the that's what I watched on TV recently.
2: That's cool. Anything reading? Your favorite uh, novel or otherwise?
3: I'm not reading a lot right now, but I yeah. like Stephen King a bunch. Yeah, he's I fun. love Stephen King. I've been a Stephen King fanatic.
2: Yeah, I can relate to that for sure.
3: That was the last thing I wrote. I, I read it. That was probably four or five months ago.
2: Cool. And uh, when you go shopping, well I guess now everybody's doing shopping online. Online or brick and mortar? Online. Really? Yeah. Well now, even well even before the pandemic.
3: Oh, before the pandemic, I would shop myself.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I find a lot of us musicians do that cuz we like yeah. to just go in and rummage through the oh, stuff. Oh, I love yeah. going. I love shopping. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's fun. Dream collaborate Look, you collaborated with so many greats. Do you have any dream collaborations that Absolutely. haven't happened?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Sting Yeah David Gilmore Mark Knopfler
2: Oh yes Nobody good though right (laughs) (laughs) Let's see if there's Uh, anybody else I I got to play on a record with Sting once Wow Yeah It was with Sam Moore From Sam and Dave Yeah Yeah I played on Sam Moore's album And uh, Sam and Sting did a duet so I'll
3: cool. you'll tell you I'll tell you my, my sting story um, I went to see him at the garden
2: yeah. and
3: and it was you know he did that he had that hit out if you love somebody set him free
2: oh yeah at, yeah, at the yeah, time
3: right course. okay
2: yeah.
3: and yeah um, killer band you know granford um, Mar- Marsalis was in the band and
2: right and those
3: cats and and um, so I went home that night and I'm thinking wow this is this cat's amazing. And I turn on, of course, MTV, and his video's on there, that song, right? Mm -hmm. And he had this little short blonde girl, and she was like the focal point of his video. And she's a dancer, you know, and this, and she gets on a chair and she throws the chair down. And I went, "Oh, she's amazing." She was my crush at that point, for the next (laughs) like for the next week or two. Well. I went over. I went to L.A. To do, to do an album, and I needed to get a place to stay. At. And I was thinking to myself, man, if I could find this girl, this would be the coolest thing ever. I want to meet her. And, uh, you know, see, I have a God. You make plans, my God laughs, you know. And, <laughs> and here's what happened. Um, somebody says to me, well, I know somebody is subletting their place because they're going away on a tour and i said cool how long can i have it for them? And they said two weeks i said i'm in cuz that's what it would take to do the album and it was right near where the studio was i get in there i got the keys i go in my friend let you know knew, knew her and lets me in and i walk over and i'm looking at her pictures and it's the same chick that was in the video what yeah I, <laughs> i'm sleeping in her bed but she's not there <laughs>
2: That's a cruel trick, huh? Yeah, right? That's my sting story. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> All right. And finally, T-Vare, what would you do if you weren't a career musician? Oh. I'd be a charter boat captain,
3: take people fishing.
2: And I could see that.
3: Or I'd be a pilot and take people from point a to
2: point b i could see that too you know what you have a way of making people feel so comfortable and 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 loved i mean bro you're just the kindest spirit in the world thank you so much
3: <laughs> i want to thank you nomad for for your time your energy your vibe is amazing
2: oh man and i hope we can,
3: we can hang sometime soon
2: Yes, sir. And I was going to say, man, when I watch your videos, I'm jealous because I want to be jamming with you. <laughs> Let's do it. I can't wait. Let's yes. Let's do it. Yes. As soon as we get through this, man. As soon as
3: we're through this and we got some live shit,
2: okay. you come jam with us. Oh, I would love to. I'm, I'm, I'm getting all your info from Lisa. I'm locking it in. And a yeah, big, big shout, shout out to you. Lisa Roy once again for connecting us. Thank you so much. A
3: big shout out to Lisa because she, yeah. is, she is helping me get back into you know the rarefied air of music so uh, that's really good
2: the world needs you brother so oh, thank keep you, going
3: yeah one four three i
2: love you <laughs> one four three brother i love that thank you bro right back at you my man okay all oh. right thank you
1: Download, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Sign up for the Career Musician newsletter at thecareermusician.com.
2: I'm just a nomad, nowhere man, writing the songs in this one-man band. A no man
0: What would you do to achieve the American dream—the big house, the happy family, the money? What's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat?
2: Would I shop? Would I
0: shop? Would you kill?
2: Yes. <laughs> I'm my mom and dad. My mom and my dad.
0: From Airship